gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Get Real with Coach Dave Taylor. 20th day of December, 2016. Appreciate everybody tuning in for our weekly podcast. Sometimes twice weekly. Is that called bi-weekly? I think so. I think bi-weekly is every two weeks. Am I wrong? Like I've said many times, I'm not the most intelligent person in the world. Got a lot of emails to go over. We'll do that. We'll touch base on the uh, NFL playoff picture, give you my opinions on that. Got an email from Dan in in West Texas. Now, when someone sends me West Texas, why can't they just put Texas? I don't know what that means. I know it means west of Texas or the western part of Texas, but never really heard anybody say that. But wants to thank me for making him some money. I guess he took some of my predictions to the bank. I would not uh, make a habit out of that because I'm not always correct. But I read one of the uh, another email where they were saying uh, they need me to go on twice a week. So we might do that. I like going on Tuesday because Monday night's over and you can kind of look at the playoff picture in the NFL nice and fresh. And then we, we, we can dive into uh, and then maybe on Friday we'll do a preview. So we might do that. And I know this Saturday I'll be in New England watching the Patriots game, and it was just forwarded to me that that will be the biggest point spread in the last four years, something like that. Three years? I think right now it's 16 and a half. The largest point spread in the NFL over the last three to four years. I'll be there, baby. So in other words, if the Jets win it will go down as the greatest upset in the last four years, three years, whatever it was. So that's interesting. But I'll be there. I don't think it'll be too cold. But, man, it's hard to get tickets to those those uh, games. I'll tell you that. Here's the ways. Got another email uh, from, I want to say, where's her name, Maria? I think she loves the ticket segment. I do on the NFL. I thought, okay, I'll mention her name for saying that. Got some people that love my topics on life, and we'll dive into that. Some movies I have seen and maybe not seen. Things we'll we'll get into over the holiday season here. Hopefully everybody have a good and safe Christmas. Not a lot to talk about in the world of sports. Um, Baseball is going to really be a slow offseason. There's going to have to be some trades. And I think when I'm looking at the potential trades, I'm looking at, you know, the Dodgers looking to get Dozier from Minnesota. I think it would be a great deal for them, second baseman. But there's there's no one left. The free agent market is massively bare. What are you going to do? Let's dive into uh, the NFL and get right to it. And what we're looking at and what I'm thinking, and uh, for some reason people seem to want to know. Now, every weekend's a good weekend. The Patriots, uh, I, think, I think one thing we do know is the Broncos' offense is hideous. It looks like they made a massive overreach on quarterback. Now, Fitzpatrick's not doing very good uh, in, in New York, but I still will say he would have been the option. He would have been the right option for the Broncos. He would have been the guy. He would have had a very good year in Denver, not needed to do a lot. He wouldn't have had to throw that much. He would have been just a perfect fit. And also, you could say, if you're looking at it from Denver's point of view, maybe not signing Hostel, not Hostel, 
Well, that's a name from the past. Osweiler was a good move. He looks bad. They yanked him in Houston. And the guy they bring in immediately goes to work. So that's a bad signing. And that's happened quite a bit in the NFL. I think if you're an NFL executive, you have to be very wary of signing a guy who replaced someone and had a good four- to five-game run. In history, there's been a lot of those guys. Matt Castle. There's been a lot of those guys who come in for a year, half a year, do really well, and then sign a big contract. Seattle's done that with the former uh, Packers quarterback. And then they just flop. I think you need more of a sample size. And I think you need to, like Garoppolo, is somebody going to sign Garoppolo to a major deal without him proving anything? Just because he backs up Brady, you're going to assume? I think that's a big mistake. Some other topics, uh, and I got some email topics on this too, some people emailing me back and forth. I do believe that the NFL has a bright future when it comes to quarterbacks. Marcus Marietta, Mariota, Marietta, whatever you want to say. I, I think he looks really good. I mean, Winston is better than I thought he would be. Carr. Obviously, you have luck. I mean, there, there's some, you know, the quarterback with Philly, I think he looks good. There, there's, there's some bright young quarterbacks in the league. And almost now you're looking at a lot of these teams, you know, have their, their quarterback problems solved. Now, the worst division is the NFC West because Carson Palmer's maybe got a year left and the Rams and Niners have nothing. Now, that's a real bad division when it comes to quarterbacks. You look at the NFC South now, traditionally a weak division, but you've got Atlanta with Ryan who's having an MVP year, Winston with Tampa, Breeze who's probably got three years left, and Cam Newton, who I think is overrated, but still, you know, when he's on, he's big time. I just think you have to make Cam Newton throw more. Another team in need of a quarterback, Chicago. I think Cutler's going to go somewhere and have a very good year. I think Cutler has a couple years left in him if he goes to the right team. I think he needs to look to going back to Denver. Stafford, who might be my favorite quarterback, Rodgers. The Vikings, Bridgewater is going to be their future. Bears have nothing. In the NFC East, you got Dallas, Giants, Redskins, Eagles, all set at quarterback. AFC West, maybe my second favorite quarterback of the, well, I like Eli Manning too, but Phillip Rivers, I've gained a lot of respect for him. Denver's in trouble, Kansas City and Oakland are set. So Denver needs to go after a Cutler or a Romo. They don't need a young guy to mold. They, 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 they can win it now. Found out Blake Bortles was probably not the answer. Got to get rid of him. Indy, Tennessee, Houston's in trouble. So Houston's in trouble, Jacksonville's in trouble. Maybe Bortles goes somewhere else and he has a better future. Who knows? Browns are in trouble. Bengals, Ravens, Steelers set. Walthersburger's a beast. Jets are in trouble. Bills are in trouble, in my opinion. Dolphins might be in trouble. So the AFC East. You know, New England's going to win, I think, their seventh straight division title. And that's, that's not just a sign on the Patriots' dominance. It's also a sign on the weakness of the AFC East. The Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins are really weak. 
and have been for a decade. The Jets had some minor runs in there, but, man, it's weak. And now if you look at this year's draft, the the uh, the NFL, there, there's not many quarterbacks coming out this year either, although you're looking at maybe a third or fourth rounder making some noise. Picture, you know, you're looking at the AFC. New England's locked in. Which also says to me, you know, you would think that they wouldn't really need to go out and win, but they do. I think I don't know what the tiebreakers are, but they're a game ahead of Oakland. That'd be great if they if they faced each other in the AFC Championship game. A throwback to the uh, Tuck Rule. I think Pittsburgh is a serious threat. I pick I pick Pittsburgh to be in that championship game. And then you're looking at Oakland. And then the, the, the team of the year, the, the, the surprise team of the year, could be Tennessee. He goes for two and the win. Doesn't get it, and they come back and get a field goal. And Mariano just looked smooth. He just looked confident. Now, they play at the Jaguars. Now, that's not going to be as easy as you think. I said that last weekend, too, and that's where my guy wrote me from. Is that the guy from West Texas? He made some money. I guess he put money on that one. I don't think that Jacksonville game is going to be easy at all. New coach. Players might be angry because they feel responsible for him getting fired. That's not going to be easy. And Jacksonville is not a bad defense. That's going to be a tough game. If they can get out of that game with a win, then they play Houston at home. And that that could be for everything. But if you had to ask me who I thought the surprise team of the year is, I'd pick the Tennessee Titans over the Raiders. I thought everyone knew the Raiders were going to have a good year. I think everybody could have predicted Atlanta, even Detroit to a smaller extent. I, I think Tennessee, no one saw coming. Now, Houston and Tennessee are tied. Houston is home at the, against the Bengals, which also will not be easy. That will not be easy. And Houston did beat the Titans by a touchdown at home, so they own that. So technically, this week's game doesn't really matter. They could lose this one and then go into Houston and I mean go into Tennessee and win and win that division. I still think Houston's a better team, but, man, I think there's no doubt that the quarterback play is better for Tennessee. That's why I'm leaning towards them. Colts have an outside shot, but that's outside. That's a real outside. They've had a very disappointing year. They're at the Raiders, and you would think they'd lose that. Although that will be closer than people think. Raiders are a game up on Kansas City. Kansas City with a massively bad loss against those Titans. But they have the Colts at home, and then they are at the Broncos, and that's going to be a massive game. Kansas City, a game back, but owns the tiebreaker. They are Broncos at home and then at the Chargers. And the Chargers are not easy. The Chargers are in another division. They might be playoff bound. But when you're in a division with Kansas City, Denver, and Oakland, you, you, you got bad luck, and they're 5-9. and nine. And they barely lost last week. I mean, you look at the Chargers games. Chiefs lost by four at the Colts. 
Lost by one at the Saints or against the Saints at home. Lost by three at the Raiders. Lost by a touchdown at the Broncos. Lost by a touchdown against the Dolphins. They had that game won. Lost by a touchdown against the Bucks. Got beat up at the Panthers pretty good. Lost by a field goal last week. I mean, they, they've been in every game. I would not want to play San Diego. It's on the line. But it looks to me like it's going to be New England, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. I'm going on a limb there. And the Raiders. Then wild card, you're looking at Chiefs. And then the other one's going to be up in the air between, you know, possible Ravens, possible Texans, possible Broncos, possible Dolphins. And right now, you would say the Dolphins have the inside track. And they play at the Bills and then Patriots at home. And the Patriots game will not matter. I would not expect the Patriots uh, at Miami to play all their guys. It would just be dumb. But Belichick does what he wants. I think the two best teams by far are New England and Pittsburgh. And that Pittsburgh game is going to come down to the last game of the year as well. Actually, not the last game of the year. This week's game. That's a massive game on the schedule on Christmas Day. NFL Network, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, Ravens-Steelers in Pittsburgh. Ravens already beat them once. Ravens win that. They're probably locked in. Ravens win that game. They are in the lead with one game to go, owning the tiebreaker. And the last game is at the Bengals. I just don't think the Ravens can beat them. I, I think I think Pittsburgh is on a roll. Pittsburgh and New England I like in the in, in the AFC championship game, and, and there's nobody that can beat New England. Well, you know what though? That's going to come down to Gronk. I mean, a healthy, fired up Pittsburgh team. Roethlisberger doesn't care where he plays; he's not going to wilt. Now in the NFC, you've got the Cowboys. I think they're going to win that division. I don't think the Giants have what it takes to come through and, and pull that off. That, the, the big game was last week. If the Cowboys could have lost that game, then you never know. The Cowboys are pretty much locked in now. Uh, but they have uh, – Cowboys have Lions at home. Should be a win. And then at the Eagles. So they got to just win one of those two. I think Green Bay wins the uh, NFC North. The Lions just have too big a schedule to overcome. I mean, the Lions are at the Cowboys and then Packers at home. It's going to come down to that last game. New Year's Day is going to have some fun games. Because in my opinion, uh, Detroit loses next week. Green Bay, who plays home against the Vikings, who are hideous. A massively disappointing team. Green Bay wins that. They're going to be tied going into that last game at Detroit. That's going to be fun. And the Packers win. Atlanta's only a game up on Tampa. And Atlanta is at the Panthers, which is going to be tough. But they do play the Panthers well. And then home against the Saints, which is also going to be tough. Now, Tampa's last two games, again, they've kind of caught fire here lately. At the Saints and then home against the Panthers. The Saints, I would not want to play them either. 
I do think Atlanta wins that division. Seattle's got the NFC West locked up. That's a hideous division. Holy cow. Them on the list of most disappointing teams. Cardinals, Panthers, Vikings, massively disappointing. I don't, I don't think Denver's been disappointing. I didn't think they were going to be that good without a quarterback. Indianapolis has had a rough year. Cincinnati, disappointing teams. So the, the 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 two wild card teams, Giants, pretty much a lock for that. And then the next team, who knows? It's going to be between you know Detroit's going to end up being probably nine and seven. So where does Tampa fall in? They're eight and six now. And then you're looking at the Redskins, who lost a big game last night. They could end up being nine six and one. But the Redskins have two final games at the Bears and home against the Giants. And the Giants might be locked in by then, too, and might not bring everybody. So that NFC wildcard between Washington and Detroit and Tampa, pretty much. And I'm hoping for Detroit. I'd like to see Stafford get in there. So... Detroit really needs to get one more win. Otherwise, they have to hope that the other teams lose. Because right now, Detroit's staring 9-7 and seven in the face. And that gives, a lot of, that gives Tampa a really good look. Minnesota's going to be out of the playoffs after they lose to Green Bay. But some really good games last week. Some games that came down to the wire. There was a good run of about four games. The Green Bay-Chicago game, you have to feel for Chicago. I mean, they have a hideous record, but, man, they, they have fought. Barely lost at Detroit, barely lost to Green Bay on a really dumb play, letting the guy get behind him. It was Jordy Nelson. That game came down to the wire. Houston-Jacksonville came down to the wire. Philly-Baltimore, last play, two-second play, uh, two-point play, came down to the wire. Tennessee-Kansas City, down to the wire. Cincinnati came down to the wire pretty much. Then you got the blowouts. Atlanta, San Francisco. Then you got Buffalo, Cleveland. Man, Cleveland's in serious trouble. Giants-Detroit wasn't as big a blowout as you would think. Detroit was in there. Ended up losing by 11, but they were in the game. But another one, Oakland-San Diego came down to the wire. Dallas and Tampa was a good game. New England-Denver was not really close. I don't think it was ever close. When Once Denver threw that pick down near the goal line, it seemed like the game was over. I would not want to play Pittsburgh, man. And last night's game was okay. Cam Newton's hard to watch. And we'll get into it. You know, I'm assuming we're going to do a show probably on Friday, a lot of games on Saturday because of Christmas. And then Christmas Day, there's two games, and both are big. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Denver, Kansas City. Monday night, Detroit, Dallas. So there's good games. The worst game might be that Sunday night game, Cincinnati and Houston. Holy cow. 
But looking at the games on Saturday, which I'm going to miss because I'll be in uh, New England, which right now, as of this moment, the most expensive ticket available is the New England game. The cheapest ticket's 187. And there's only 900 tickets left. It's amazing. But looking ahead to those games, the games that matter, Tennessee-Jacksonville, that's going to be a big game. Miami-Buffalo. Minnesota at Green Bay. Minnesota's playing for their lives. Redskins, Chicago. Atlanta, Carolina. For New Orleans. And then there's some games that are just hideous. Rams at home against the Niners. Wow, is that a bad game. Only, the only win the Niners have was opening, opening game against the Rams. Jets and New England is going to be a hideous game. I'm just going for the ambiance. San Diego, Cleveland. Some of these games are just brutal. Arizona, Seattle. So we have a Thursday night game, Giants at Philly. That's kind of a big game. That's your Thursday night game, and then those Saturday games. Not a huge week. Not a huge week, but looking ahead to week 17, which all the games are on New Year's Day. Every game. No, no Thursday, no Saturday, no Monday. You're looking at some huge matchups. New Orleans, Atlanta is going to be huge. I don't think Baltimore or Cincy will be that huge. I think it'll pretty much be over by then. There's not, like, games of massive importance. I think that Houston, Tennessee is massive. That's like a winner go home. Green Bay, Detroit, winner go home. Those are your top two games. Those are your two playoff games. Oakland, Denver could be one. Kansas City, San Diego those games will probably matter because they're both all, all three of those teams are fighting. Dallas should have it wrapped up. Buffalo and the Jets is hideous at the Jets. So Rex Ryan would would love to be able to win his last two games and go nine and seven. That would be huge for them. And they have the Dolphins at home, which is a very winnable game. And then at the Jets, they go nine and seven. Rex Ryan keeps his job. Chicago and Minnesota hideous. But New Year's Day is NFL Day, which is kind of cool. Then the second is college football. So there's my, uh, there's my take on the NFL week that just happened. You know, there is a kind of a um, – kind of a – it seems weird to me, but there is something going on with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, isn't there? Is he the NFL's new new boy? He's got some allegations of domestic violence. He's got some allegations of he's jumping into the Salvation Army thing, doesn't get fined. I, I, uh, it just it does seem a little weird that he seems to be the golden child. It does seem that way to me. Moving over to college football, 
Uh, yeah, did I not tell you that those games were basically irrelevant? You know what you're seeing a lot more of now in college football? That these bowl games, that they don't matter, they just skip them. Stanford's McCaffrey, he's skipping it. The running back Fournette, he's skipping it. And I, and I don't blame them at all. If the game is irrelevant, I would not play in the game if I'm a top first-round draft pick. Why would you do that? Remember the Hurricanes? I think it was Gore. Wasn't it Gore? What was the running back from Miami that got hurt in the playoff in, in a bowl game? But I think his bowl game was was a was an important one. The Minnesota team is uh, boycotting. I got some emails on that. What is my take on the Minnesota boycott playing the game until their players are duly uh, not prosecuted? Given their due due process, I guess, or something to that effect. I I I'm, I, I like it. I'm always for a team that's bands together for it, their teammates. I'm not for teams boycotting or getting or going against, let's say, uh, you know, some political agenda. Wasn't that what happened in Missouri last year? Remember Missouri boycotted all these games, and, and Missouri was going through like a political thing. That that was dumb, and they got what they deserved. This is not that. I'm always for a team that bands together. Didn't I think the Missouri football players, I'm trying to remember this. Didn't they say they were going to boycott until the president resigned? Because the president said something? or I think there was a bunch of racist incidents that happened on campus. And they blamed the president. I, I'm, I'm not 100%. I don't remember this perfectly. But I remember it being involving racism, and there were some, some, some things on campus that were going on, some idiots running around with spray painting something on the wall, and that they were upset that the president didn't react like they wanted him to. Therefore, they were going to protest until he resigned. And they won because he did resign. And now the Missouri football team is a hideous mess. I mean, a hideous mess. And it's kind of like the, the football gods and karma or whatever else you want to call it. I don't think that's a place for the NFL to get involved. Noses in it, acting like they had some kind of power of authority. And they, they were right because the guy resigned. So I guess you say good for them. But because of that, I think they've had a real difficult time recovering. And to me, I say they got what they deserve. What was uh, what was Missouri's record this year? I know they used to be; they used to have a pretty good program, and now they've kind of just become massively irrelevant. And they—that's what they deserve. Four and eight. Seventh in the SEC East. Last, meaning in the SEC East. Two and six in the SEC East. Behind Vanderbilt. So you get what you deserve. Now, what is Minnesota doing? And Minnesota's a pretty good team. They're saying that 10 of their teammates, they feel, were wrongly suspended 
and were not given due process and were not treated fairly. And the, the, there was no uh, charges filed by the police department. And they wonder, well, if there was nothing wrong and they're not being arrested or, you know, why is it if there's nothing wrong? Why are we being, why are they being suspended? I really, I really can't argue with that. I think that's a very fair question. Therefore, I, I do agree with their boycott. That's their teammates. That's their brothers. I'm not going to sit back and watch them get suspended for no valid reason in their minds. Not without due process. And if they feel like there was due process and the evidence found, then that's one thing. But they don't feel that's the case, so they're going to boycott. I, I think that's good because it's team unity and they're standing up for their brothers. And if they believe in their brothers that they didn't do anything wrong, then I, I, I have no problem with it. In fact, I love it. And as a coach, I would love it. Tells me my guys are banding together, that they support each other, that they're, there's something called chemistry. As kids, they have no problem being this. I think this is the coach talking. Um, yes, it is the coach. As kids, they have no problem being held to a higher standard than the university requires and should require. The coach said after Minnesota's practice, this is all about due process. I am a sounding. I was a sounding board for them, and it was their decision. Coach said, "I made sure to make. I made sure to make sure that they knew what the possible fallouts could be, and we went through all those things. I was there to make sure they knew that they what they were doing was for the right reasons, and they knew what the consequences could be." Saturday, when the team backed down and said they would play in the December twenty seventh holiday ball. Even though they decided to or declined to reinstate the suspended players. Now, why is that? The coach said his players were not condoning sexual assault or harassment in any way, but they believed their suspended teammates were denied due process. So, did something happen? Did they call those guys in and say, here's the evidence we have? We don't want to call them out in the middle of public and, and tell them what we have. And then maybe they saw the evidence and said, okay, we'll back down. Or did they just back down because they weren't going to play the game? Now, that, in my opinion, if you're going to, if you're going to threaten a, uh, to boycott the game and they did not present new evidence to you or they did not call you in and, and, and show you what they have, this was a serious thing, and you just back down, then that's weak. Now, if they showed you what they got and they were like, oh, yeah, okay. Because prosecutors declined to press charges, saying there was insufficient evidence to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. But the university uses a lower bar in student discipline cases. So somebody asked me what I thought. I thought the protest was good because they're standing up for their teammates. I think that they backed down. That's weak unless they were given some type, some type of evidence that the public doesn't have. The Heisman Trophy, by the way, went to uh, the boy from Louisville. I, I, think, uh, I think the Heisman Trophy this year was really weak. You got Deshaun Watson saying he's the best player in the country. Who cares? Lamar Jackson. Neither one of those guys are going to be good NFL players, in my opinion. I think Jackson is going to be worse than RG3. I mean, he's one hit away from retirement. 
So we have some hideous bowl games, correct? We had them last week. We're going to start getting a little bit better. Today we have Memphis at, uh, against Western Kentucky. <clears throat> Tomorrow, BYU-Wyoming won't be hideous. Thursday, Idaho-Colorado State. <clears throat> Friday, Eastern Michigan-Old Dominion, Louisiana Tech-Navy, and Ohio-Troy. <clears throat> and then Saturday, Hawaii-Middle Tennessee. Holy cow. So nothing of, of any significance until we get past Christmas. Then we'll have the big boys playing in most games. There's some bad ones. Temple, Wake Forest, that seems pretty weak. Army, North Texas, I'll watch that because of Army, but that seems weak. Then there's some decent ones. I want to see Boise State, Baylor. I want to see Minnesota, Washington State, Pittsburgh, Northwestern, West Virginia, Miami. Some of these games are not great, but they're not hideous. The real games come on the 29th, which is a week from Thursday. When you have Oklahoma State, Colorado, you know we have some decent games. That's a decent game. Three New Year's. Michigan, Florida State on the 30th. New Year's Eve is when we have our two playoff games. That's going to be a great New Year's Eve. And the second is like, you know, the big the, the the four big games. I'm really looking forward to the USC Penn State game. I think that's gonna be fun. USC, if you're looking at USC, they could say to themselves, We win that game convincingly, we could finish in the top four. And from where they started, that'd be a massive rehab. But you gotta look at Alabama probably gonna win it all. If Clemson gets smashed Clemson plays Ohio State. I assume Washington's going to get smashed by Alabama. So you would put USC ahead of Washington because they beat them. Penn State's five. They, if they beat Penn State, they're going to jump ahead of them. Michigan is six. Oklahoma, seven. Wisconsin, eight. So if you're USC, if I'm in that if I'm in that film room, I'm saying let's let's beat let's let's get in that top four. We can get in that top four, and and that that would again just be a massive accomplishment. Looking at it right now, I mean Western Michigan, Wisconsin. That's going to be a tough game for Wisconsin to lose. If Wisconsin loses that game, they're going to drop down to 15. Oklahoma-Auburn, I don't see Oklahoma losing that game either. But it's possible. I think Washington gets blown out. I think Clemson gets blown out. I think Clemson could end up being, in the end, ranked like six or five. Washington will drop down to nine. Penn State, if 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 USC smashes them, they could bounce all the way up to five or four. It just depends on Oklahoma and Penn. Oklahoma and Wisconsin are playing two pretty weak teams. But the bowl schedule is pretty light. If you're asking me, and somebody did ask me this, the most significant bowl game this week, there is none. 26th, 
you have some games on the 27th that I think matter. Not matter, but are going to be fun to watch. Boise, Baylor, Minnesota, Washington State. But if you're looking at games that, that matter significantly with, with rankings, Thursday the 29th is your first game. Oklahoma State, Colorado. That's your first game. Then the following day you have Michigan, Florida State. That's your big one. Then New Year's Eve, you have all kinds of games. LSU-Louisville is going to be fun to watch. And then you have the two playoff games. And then New Year's Day, not New Year's Day, but the second, Florida-Iowa, kind of weak. Usually that first game, the Outback Bowl, is weak. Western Michigan-Wisconsin, I'm going to watch because Western Michigan is a small guy in this game. And I always root for the, for the underdog. That will be a fun game to watch. Then you have USC-Penn State. Then you have Auburn-Oklahoma. Good games, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And then January 9th, you have your – championship game let's get off of this let's go to college basketball tell you what man that uh, Kentucky Carolina game was legit me right now and I got this email too who do you pick in your final four as of today now it's kind of a dumb question I don't put Duke in there because I haven't seen them play at full speed yet so I'm not going to just throw them in there because they're Duke but you have to put Kentucky and Carolina in there. I think they're pretty much locks, barring injury. But, you know, that's why the tournament's so great, because anybody can get beat at any time. But if you're, this is going to be a great year. I really think it's going to be a great year. I think it's the best group of freshmen I've seen in a while, not just one or two. I mean, is it Jackson at Kansas? I like him a lot. UCLA obviously has ball, but I love T.J. Leaf. Berserk. I'm a big fan of Fox. I mean, it's it's going to be a great season. Now, I like, if you're asking me now, I'm putting Kentucky and Carolina in that Final Four. And then after that, I mean, it's all kinds of who knows. I mean, I, between UCLA and Kansas and Villanova, I, I, I mean, those teams right there are, are legitimate. UCLA, Kansas, Villanova, Duke, I mean, of those four, only two are going to make it. I, I couldn't even tell you who, who I like and don't like in those. I mean, that's going to be a very – I think UCLA, what hurts them is their schedule. I don't think they have enough tough opponents to play to prepare them for what they're going to have to face in the tournament. But UCLA and Kansas and Duke, I want to see Duke play full speed. So I can't make a decision on Duke until midway through their ACC schedule. And then you've got other teams. I, I have to watch Baylor. I think they play this week against somebody good. I'm not sure. I, I have not seen Baylor yet to, to comment on them intelligently. Now, they pounded Oregon. The Oregon's kind of overrated. But you got to look at their wins. I mean, they beat Michigan State. They beat Louisville. They beat Xavier and easily. i got to see this Baylor team. I think they're at Oklahoma on New Year's Eve or the 20th, 30th. I'm sorry. But don't have a lot of great games in their schedule. They have Kansas way down the road in February. They have Western uh, West Virginia early January. But they don't really have a lot of teams. But they have some pretty good wins. Gonzaga can beat anybody, big and slow, but they can beat anybody. They're undefeated. Louisville, I, they're going to play Kentucky this week. That's going to be a great game. I'll learn a lot about Louisville at that point. You're looking at some teams that can just – uh, on a good day, Xavier can beat anybody. 
Indiana, I like Indiana a lot. Now, they're down at 16. But I think Indiana, they can beat anybody. They've proven that. They've had some bad losses and some great wins. Butler looks good. They can beat anybody. That's why the tournament's so great. You're looking at Butler. They're going to go up against a Kansas or a Villanova, and you're thinking, okay, this should be a win. But they can win. Butler can win that easily. This is one of the better years for college basketball that I can remember. St. Mary's can beat anybody. And these are going to be like four or five or six seeds in the tournament. Oregon. USC's 10-0. Now, they've beaten nobody. But this is going to be a great year. But for me to pick the Final Four right now, I guess if the season ended today, Kentucky, Carolina, UCLA. And I, I throw Baylor in there. But their record and schedule and all that. But obviously, the season doesn't end today. But there are some games on the schedule that will be worth our time. Today on the schedule, you know, Eastern Washington, Xavier on Fox Sports. I might watch it just to see how they play. But Xavier's playing a bad team, so what am I going to learn? Nothing. There's no big games on. Uh, Creighton is number nine against Arizona State. New Mexico at number 18, Arizona. You know, it might be worth a, a peek. Cal Poly, Washington. Washington is supposed to have one of the top five players in the NBA draft coming up. I, I'm not sold yet. We'll see. Washington has been a disappointment. So not, not, no great game today. You're looking at like, wow, that's going to be a fun game to watch. West Virginia against Radford. But tomorrow now, oh boy, now we're talking. Tomorrow we, we have, isn't it tomorrow? Let me, let me uh, look on that schedule. Well, we have Virginia at Cal. I want to see Virginia. Western Michigan against UCLA. UCLA has a very weak schedule. Northern Iowa, who is not bad traditionally, against Carolina. Texas Southern against Baylor. Vermont against Butler. Syracuse, that's just good old fun days. But the Whopper, the doozy at 7 o'clock Eastern, Kentucky at Louisville. That, that's one of the top rivalries in all of college basketball. And that's going to be at 7 o'clock, and that is a game. I need to see how Louisville plays. I know what Kentucky brings to the table. I think if you're going to beat Kentucky, you have to box in one monk, and then you have a chance. Traditionally, Thursday and Fridays are bad uh, for college basketball. Austin P against Indiana, Marshall, Cincinnati. Thursdays and Fridays are usually pretty weak in the college basketball world, especially once they start diving into conference play. No games on Christmas Eve or Christmas, which I think is a good thing. On Friday... Northern Kentucky, West Virginia, Florida A&M, Wisconsin. Like I said, nothing really good on those days. So after this game tomorrow night, there's really nothing on the college basketball schedule that's worth watching for a while. And that, that's somewhat disappointing. The next big game we'll have will be on the following Wednesday, the 28th. I think there's like a Virginia-Louisville game or something like that. So 
We have the big game tomorrow, and then another. the next time you see big games will be the following week. But, man, that Kentucky-UNT game was one of the top games I've seen the last five years. Giles made his debut last night, so he's going to try and get back into it. How about uh, DeMarcus Cousins? I think that's uh, that's huge for for Demarcus. Kings lose Demarcus Cousins. Uh, that's ball game. So, I thought that was interesting. Coach K is kind of like the uh, Godfather of college basketball. Okay, diving into the NBA, who cares, right? Blake Griffin's out again, three to six weeks, knee surgery, typical. The NBA is just, it's just hard to get into. Players don't care. Management doesn't care. I like Stan Van Gundy. They got smashed by the Bulls on uh, Monday night, last night. Disgusting performance, he said, by all of us, me included. He he doesn't mix words. Team meeting my ass, apparently that's what Van Gundy said. Like I said before, that stuff means nothing. It's what you do on the court. Talking's easy. I, I, I love that guy. I mean, they have Tobias Harris, Marcus Morris, Andre Drummond, Caldwell Pope, and Reggie Jackson starting. They were a negative 153 and a plus-minus. That's not a bad five. It looks to me like a lack of effort and lack of heart. And if you don't play hard, you're not going to have any confidence. Van Gundy doesn't he, – he, uh, he don't mix words. But the NBA is so hard to watch. I'm not going to get into my feelings again because standings don't matter. Records don't matter at this point. Who cares? They don't care. I don't care. The question is, are there any good games worth watching? Well, today you have San Antonio at Houston. That's worth watching. NBA TV. Um, Usually in the NBA, you're looking at two games a week that are really worth watching. Meaning both teams are good. Boston at Memphis, decent. Outside of that, nothing. Tomorrow, it's hard. You look at the schedule, Milwaukee-Cleveland. Nope. That should be a blowout at Cleveland, and who cares? Milwaukee, I think, beat them before, didn't they? But who cares? Memphis-Detroit, who cares? Washington-Chicago, who cares? Oklahoma City-New Orleans, who cares? Sacramento-Utah, who cares? Houston-Phoenix, wow, that's bad. You know, Phoenix has a pretty good backcourt. Bledsoe, I think, is very underrated, and I like Booker. And then they have Knight and even Barbosa. I think their backcourt's good. And I, and I like uh, that, that guard tandem. But that's all they have. TNT has Lakers and Miami. Yeah, that's a doozy. Can't wait for that one. San Antonio at the Clippers should be worth watching, but no Blake Griffin makes that a weak game too. So even if San Antonio wins or the Clippers wins, if the Clippers win, that's bad. But if San Antonio wins, they're going to say, well, we had no Blake Griffin. So it doesn't matter. 
Friday the 23rd, Oklahoma City at Boston. And these are just decent games, not marquee matchups. Uh, that's about it for that day. No games on Christmas Eve. And then you have the big doozies on Christmas Day that everyone's all excited about. You know, I have a friend here from Australia. He's all excited. Christmas Day, Christmas Day games, Christmas Day games. You know, people around the world, Christmas Day games, Christmas Day is the NBA. Uh, what happens on Christmas Day is that the NBA looks hideous. Boston at the Knicks is just a bad game. Golden State-Cleveland marquee matchup. Bulls at San Antonio. Who cares? I think the second best game is Minnesota at Oklahoma City because you get to see the best player in the league at the moment. And you get to see a bunch of rising stars, although they are not playing well. They barely beat Phoenix. You know, when you watch Thibodeau coach, watch him coach, he's a wacko. He is yelling and screaming the entire game. He's like a puppet master. I don't know what I don't know what to think of that. Uh, I don't know what to think of that. Oh, and then the uh, the last Christmas Day game is a great one: uh, Clippers and Lakers. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, the NBA. I told you about this last. Somebody really enjoyed my comments last week. But I said, you can't find three great games to play at the same time. Can't do it. Got a message on Twitter. Did you see that? Did you see what happened in at Notre Dame? Yeah, I did. I guess the, one of the players' brothers, one of the players' brother came back from Afghanistan and shocked them. And uh, the dudes the the started crying. I don't, I don't know if I would cry over that. I mean, maybe I would. I don't know. I, I, I've been in the military. I, I don't know if I would cry if my brother came back. I'd be stoked. Uh, I, again, I don't know. I'm not saying negatively. I just maybe they're twins or something. I don't know. But he was acting like he was acting like it was. Settle down, dude. I think I think the the guy's wife was there, and then he's hugging his wife. I thought I saw that picture, and then the, the the player comes in and hugs her from behind. It's like, dude, let him let him be with his wife for a while. If that was his wife, I don't know, it could have been his sister. But yeah, it was cool. Okay, calm down. All needing bad messages, bad emails, bad tweets. I just thought it was a little over the top. But yeah, you can't pick. There's no way in the NBA today you could have three games at the same time. You can't have three good games on the same day because there's not six good teams in the NBA, maybe five. And that's if everyone's healthy and everyone decides to play. I mean, you know, Cleveland doesn't bring their top three. San Antonio sits down their top two. Clippers got injuries. Now you're looking at two teams, maybe. But the top four, without a doubt, Golden State, San Antonio, Clippers and Cleveland. And Clippers are, are barely in there. And then you have, on the outside looking in, maybe Toronto. But Toronto needs to get another guy with some size. They can't go with the backup with the two guards thinking that that's going to get it done. 
They're not going to beat Cleveland. I mean, come on. Boy, you know, I had, I had another good question. Um, best player on a non-playoff team. I think you got to go DeMarcus Cousins, right? Now, George is going to be a playoff team. I think he's another guy that falls into that category, though, for the Pacers. The Greek freak doesn't shoot well enough. Drummond can't make a free throw. Hawks have nobody. Charlotte, nah. Miami, nah. Orlando, no. Wizards, overrated. I mean, Porzingis not there yet. Boston has nobody individually. Lakers have nobody. Bledsoe? I I think Bledsoe's legit. If you're talking non-playoff teams, you have to go at, obviously, Anthony Davis. But there's some good teams, good players out there on teams that have no chance. Lillard, no chance. I think Oklahoma City could be a top. Oklahoma City could be that fifth or sixth team between them and Toronto. Denver's got some bright young players, or like Orlando, but Orlando's kind of done now. They gave up a lot for, uh, you know, the power forward, and I don't, I don't think they're going to get anything from it. Like, I cannot imagine that uh, he stays. I think that whole roster is going to get revamped. Or Baca, I'm talking about Serge Ibaka. He's not that good to begin with, but they, they've had a disappointing run with a pretty good coach. Marcus Cousins is the one you feel the worst for because he's out there in, in purgatory just floating around. But you're looking at Bledsoe and Cousins. I mean, that, that those kind of guys, Anthony Davis, those kind of guys are the, the Greek freaks, okay. George Drummond, you can't make a free throw. You know, Butler with the Bulls. Some good players that will never have a chance. Ever. They'll never have a chance. Never. They are traded or there's trades coming in. They never have a chance. Now, maybe this new collective bargaining agreement will, will eliminate these teams loading up, but those, those guys do, do not ever have a chance. Minnesota has a chance. Now, five years from now, if they keep everybody, which they won't be able to do, the way Levine is playing, he is playing lights out. Dunn is a massive disappointment. But, you know, he's playing lights out. you got Levine. you got Wiggins. you got Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, those guys are, those guys are playing. Oh, that's a big three five years from now if they can keep them. But uh, the NBA is just a bore fest. James Harden is having a phenomenal year. They have no chance. Oklahoma City has a minor chance. But those other guys have to get better, and, and Westbrook has to let them play a little bit. And he is. He's getting 25 assists, 22 assists. Was that 22 assists one game? But Oklahoma City's roster is not as bad as Houston's. But the NBA is just – it really is a who-cares league. NFL's not that way. Baseball's not that way. Hockey's definitely not that way. I mean, hockey, you have no idea what's going on. Anything in the NHL. You have no idea what to think. 
Montreal's having a phenomenal year. Rangers, phenomenal year. Pittsburgh, Columbus, Philly, Ottawa, all in the East. I mean, those teams, who knows? I mean, I have no idea who's going to win those, uh, getting the Eastern Conference wet. Well, Eastern Conference or Western Conference, I have no idea who's going to get there. Kings are struggling. The Kings are going to get in as a seven or eight seed, and they, that's when they won their Stanley Cups. Chicago's looking great. Minnesota, St. Louis, San Jose, Anaheim. Edmonton's come out of nowhere. Calgary, Nashville, Winnipeg, Kings. Who knows, man? There really is no hideous team. Worst team's probably Colorado. They got some young guys. Arizona, Vancouver's not doing well, and they're a legit team. Those teams can beat anybody. Islanders are the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and they were pretty good last year. I mean, you have no idea what's going on in the NHL. There's no point trying to guess it. You have to wait until about two weeks to go in the season and then see where everybody fits. But then once it gets into the playoffs, who knows? Once you get into the NHL playoffs, it's it's a crapshoot. Who Anybody can beat anybody. Eight versus one, two versus seven, doesn't matter. And the way the playoffs are, where they're playing within teams that don't get their own division, it's it's brutal. I mean, the Thunder lost to, to Atlanta last night. Come on now. Yeah, Westbrook had 46. Westbrook had 46 points last night. He had 20 assists, 22, I think, the game before that. And there's no doubt who the best player in the league is right now. The last two games, he scored 72, 22 rebounds, and 29 assists. Who's better, him or Durant? Are you really going to make that argument with me? If you had to tell me or any executive who you're going to start with between these two players, Durant or Westbrook, nobody would take Durant. Oh, I can't say that. I don't see how anybody takes Durant. Durant cannot do what Westbrook does. He's a shooter. He has to play on another team with other great players because if he, if he was the only guy, he couldn't get anything done. I like what Durant did with that charity in Oklahoma City. That was a good thing to do. I just think he's an overrated player. So there's my thoughts. Not too much else to go to go into. Did you hear this... Uh, it's kind of a disturbing story, I believe. Isn't it uh tennis player? Do you know uh, Petra Kvitova? Pretty good player. Some psycho, knife-wielding attacker went to her home Tuesday morning going berserk. She tries to defend herself and badly injures her left hand. Apparently, she's in trouble. Now, she's had some good runs in tennis, and this story doesn't sound right to me. So apparently somebody breaks into her house with a knife, and and I don't know if they were just robbing her or trying to kill her. She's left-handed, and now her left hand is jacked. Uh, I I I don't understand this. It was described as a burglary attempt in the Czech Republic. 35 year old dude he escaped and is at large. I hope she has security. But that that's that's a little out there. 
Jesus, what kind of world are we living in? And somebody else brought that up to me, and I guess we'll end with that. But what's going on with this Durant vote and all this stuff? And I mean, it's embarrassing. We we seem to embarrass ourselves a lot in this country. Politically speaking, we are an embarrassment. Everyone's freaking out on the Trump thing. People are protesting. Some psycho woman was going nuts in one of these vote sessions. Just lost her mind. Embarrassing. It's weird to me, too, that all, it seems like all media and all celebrities are Democratic. Isn't that kind of weird? You would think there'd be more balance, right? But it's just embarrassing. So the, the, he wins the electorate vote. He wins that. He didn't win the popular vote, but that's not the way the game is played. And I think, you know, upon reflection, I thought, you know, I thought for a long time that, you know, one vote, one man, one vote, one woman, that kind of matters. Whoever wins the popular vote should be the president. I thought that for, until I started seeing the other side. And if that's the way you were going to do things, then what would happen is you would just campaign in New York, L.A., Chicago. You would not campaign in the smaller states, smaller cities, because they're, they're useless. Why would I go campaign in Wisconsin? I'll just do L.A. I'm just going to hang in L.A. and in, in, in California and go berserk. And then what happens is you start favoring the bigger cities in California, New York, and you know Chicago and Florida and wherever else you're going. And you just ignore the little guy. I, I, I don't like that. If you were going to go simply on popular vote, you would campaign and really do well by those in the bigger cities with the most people. Because if you look at the popular vote, New York City, the state of New York and the state of California dominated, and D.C. just were dominated by Hillary. But it was all those other states that do matter where Trump ended up winning. But now you're going to go out there and you're going to say, Oh, we don't like what happened. We're going to try and do this. We're going to try and do that. It really, it, it, use it in terms of sports. They are the, 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 we look just like sore losers. We look like a team that like, like let's say we're the Carolina Panthers and we lost in the Super Bowl. And now we're going to go file a lawsuit saying the referees cheated. We're going to go berserk. We're going to try and get the game we played. We're going to file a lawsuit. That's going to be denied. Then we're going to go to Supreme Court and file another lawsuit. We're going to say, listen, we didn't lose. It wasn't fair. The referees really screwed us, and we're not going to accept this defeat. We're going to fight, fight. It's just dumb. You know, you lose. You shake hands, and you move on, and you learn from your mistakes. And I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a Republican. I hate everyone that is. Bottom line is, if you lose, just you know, shake hands and say, what did we do wrong, and let's get better. People are complaining about this Russian hack. Okay, let's understand this, that the Russian hack, yeah, it may have hurt them, but that's what the Democrats did. They had uh, the Democratic chair, uh, she gave questions to Hillary before the debate. Is that not unfair? How did she give Hillary the questions that she was going to ask her during the debate? She didn't give those to Donald. No one was talking about that. That was one of the hacks that got revealed. How about the fact that Hillary made all these mistakes with her, with her server and the emails and that they, they, they just, all they did was expose what she had done. Maybe we have a right to know these things. What about when you're going into Trump's tax records and exposing that? What about when you're going into his private businesses and lawsuits? You're exposing that. I mean, it's all fair game. 
And then you lose and you complain and you whine. And you're blaming everybody but yourself. It's, it's the way society is. Hillary is a microcosm. Thank God she didn't win. I don't care who was president. Biden. I didn't want Bernie. I'm not a socialist. But anybody but Hillary. She is the epitome of what is wrong in this country. She's a liar. She's a manipulator. My opinion. And a, a, a massively sore loser. And she's out there. It's not my fault. It's the Russians. It's the Russian hack. Well, what about the things they revealed in that hack, Hillary? Were those things your fault? Did you have any problems with that? I mean, it's just a bunch of whiners. And nothing's working. We want to revote. We We want to recount in, in Wisconsin. We're going to file a lawsuit. We're going to pay money. We're going to have a recount. And what happened after the recount? Trump got more votes. <laughs> it's just enough. And then you got Obama saying that, you know, he's this and he's that, and I did this and I did that. And, and if you look at it through history, Obama, quit pounding your chest, man. There's not a lot that you've done well. Yeah, some things may be well, but a lot that you didn't do well. Your party has gone down the tubes in your eight years. They have lost the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and a lot of governorships and a lot of other political spots have been lost because under your watch, they went down the tubes. And if you did such a great job and the country's so happy, why wouldn't they have voted for Hillary? Hillary should have won in a landslide if, if everything is so great. You're drawing a line in the sand. You don't follow through. Now you got what's going on over there in all these war-torn countries, Aleppo, disaster. I just can't stand the way we look. It's like we lose, we complain, we point fingers. You got these moron celebrities going on saying to not vote for Trump and, and, and to cast your vote, even though legally you're, you're obligated to. No, don't do that. Come on, man. And you wonder, you, and now you know why we're better off without Hillary. Never her fault. Just like, you know, Benghazi wasn't her fault. Nothing's her fault. By the way, the UConn women look good. Again, this is supposed to be their down year. And again, here we are. I, I don't understand. Uh, I don't. I don't understand how all this is happening. And if you look at it also from from just an athletic perspective, it, it this is what sports is supposed to teach you: how to deal with defeat, how to overcome adversity, how to bounce back. You know what else? Let me tell you something else. I, I'm not watching Saturday Night Live anymore. Can't do it. I, I'm not, I've never been a huge Saturday Night Live guy, but I used to watch the news. I thought the news segments were pretty funny. The news segment on, on Saturday Night Live has gone down the tube. I mean, it is brutal. The two guys they got doing it are just hideous. They're not funny. They don't read well. It's just bad. They got to get new new news anchors on that show. Traditionally speaking, the news anchors have been huge stars. From Tina Fey and, and, and all those days, they had the other gal, the 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 other gal who stars with her all the time. I forgot her name, but those were okay. Even though it's always been a left leaning program, they've always been uh, liberal and left leaning. Cannot watch Saturday Night Live. Here's what you're gonna get on Saturday Night Live. Your first skit's gonna be an anti-Trump thing. 
Your third skit's going to be an anti-Trump thing. The news is going to be anti-Trump. It's just enough, man. You know, try to make some comedy skits that are just funny without trying to go political on everything because it's not funny. It's, it's annoying. It's boring. It's very boring. The news is a bore fest. It's just dumb. It's not even like news. They try to be like, uh, it's like a documentary. It's kind of like ESPN. When they do their sports center with that clown, SVP, whatever his name is. How bad is that? Scott Van Pelt. And it's like, he, he does the sports center and he's throwing in his, it's like a, it's like a opinionated show. It's like a documentary almost. He goes in there and he's just rambling. He's just spewing his thoughts. I don't care about your stupid thoughts, man. He's, he's narrating everything like it's a story. I, I, who says this works? I don't watch Sports Center with, with Van Pelt. Carrie Champion's big time. I like her personality in the morning. I think she is big time. But uh, I'm not watching Van Pelt. He's annoying. He's going to come out. He's going to give you his little story. He's going to talk to you about what he thinks and this and that. I just like, dude, shut your stupid mouth. I really don't care. Commentary here. Just give me some sports news and sports uh, highlights. They'll do a two-minute highlight, then he goes on camera for a one-on-one, 30-minute discussion. He does some decent segments once in a while, but, dude, come on. Sports Center, get it. You're becoming Saturday Night Live. It's, it's getting boring. I turn on Sports Center and I get maybe one highlight for every 40 minutes, it seems like. It's 39 minutes of commentary. And then a, uh, a minute of highlight. I don't care about all your stupid thoughts. Put those shows on. Here's what you should do. Give me sports. Give me some highlights. Show me everything. Tennis, golf, Premier League, NFL, NHL, NBA, college basketball. Give me it all. Show me all the highlights you can. Pack as much of it into it as you can. Yeah, you can show a little personality during the highlights. And then when you have the commentary, when, you, when I want to know what people are thinking in the world of the NFL, have that show that they already have inside the NFL type stuff. Put something on there. And then I'll turn that off for half an hour and I can hear people regurgitate facts and stats. I don't need it during the highlights. I get maybe – I don't get highlights of anything. If I'm a fan of, let's say, Air Force Academy basketball, I'm not going to ever see anything about them. And Saturday Night Live has lost it. They lost me. I took it off my DVR repeat record. I mean, I can't watch it anymore. It's enough. They had this segment with Hillary on there that I thought was just brutal, where she's flipping those cards and, you know, the the woman who plays Hillary. And she's flipping those cards and basically just saying, oh, Trump is a racist, sexist loser, and vote me in. And I'll pay you. Like Michael Moore. Is that against the law? Michael Moore says, go ahead and vote against Trump and I'll pay your fine and I'll pay you for it. Is that bribery? I, I don't know. I, I, what's this world coming to? Michael Moore? Really? Dude, have some discipline. Lose some weight, man. But Saturday Night Live is a joke. It's a disaster. By the way, I watched some old old classics lately. I watched uh, Pale Rider with Clint Eastwood. That's a great movie. You know, it's kind of old kind of corny music is hideous but it's Clint Eastwood man killing bad guys full metal jacket 
going to watch American Gangster today, I think. Life is great. But Saturday Night Live, just can't watch it, man. I hope those people wake up eventually and say, this is getting boring. It's, you know, put some work into it. Everything can't be anti-Trump, pro-Hillary. Not everything. How about when Hillary lost and she came out, the gal who plays Hillary came out and saying hallelujah, and she was like, sad. That <laughs> a joke. They don't understand that not everybody in this country uh, loves Hillary. In fact, when they were begging people not to vote for Trump, did you realize that some people didn't vote for Hillary but voted for Bernie? I guess one guy got fired or got kicked out of the meeting because he was going to vote for Bernie instead of Hillary. I mean, it seems like they whine and they don't get what they want. They, they get, it's a negative effect. You whine, they re-vote, Trump got more votes. It's just enough, man. It's enough. You lost. It's over. Move on. Let me tell you something else, Trump. Let me give you some advice here. I think you've done pretty good up to this point. Your Twitter's a little out of control. You've got to calm down on that. But as far, here's what Trump should do. He needs a real man like myself to advise him. Although I do love that Conway woman. I think she's big time. But here's what I would say. I would come out and say, listen, uh, as far as your inauguration goes, you're not Obama. Okay, you're not going to get all these celebrities coming out for you. Plus, you're not a Democrat. Okay. So let's do this. Let's make a statement that on Inauguration Day, you're not going to throw any parties or any celebrations because we're above that. Here's what I'm going to say in our press league. Uh, we are not going to have an inauguration party. We're not going to have anybody performing. We're not in a place in this country where we should be happy and performing. We need to get to work. So instead of throwing a party and having celebrities come in and perform, which is what the Democrats would do, we're going to actually get to work. We're going to get inaugurated. I'm going to, I'm going to say what I got to say. I'm going to put my, raise my right hand up, put my left hand on the Bible, whatever it is I got to do. I'm going to say what I have to say. I'm going to get into it. And then I'm going to the White House and starting work. Then I'm going to work. No parties. No performers. I have somebody seen the national anthem, but that's it. I mean, I'm not doing this party thing. Like when, like when Trump came out and said he's not going to go on vacation and he's, he's not going to take a salary. He needs to really show the American people, like, you know what, I don't need some stupid celebration party. I'm doing that now. I'm going on a thank you. I don't need another one of these tours on Inauguration Day. I'm just going to make, I'm going to make a statement by saying we're not going to do that. We're not going to have these fake celebrities come out and sing for me. It didn't do anything for Hillary. All those celebrities that came out and said change your vote didn't work. All those celebrities that went out before the, before the uh, vote on, in November, early November, they came out, the Gagas of the world, and the, all those people didn't do anything for them. Beyonce and Jay-Z throwing a concert with Hillary, and they're all singing there together, and Hillary's on stage with Beyonce and Jay-Z, arguably two of the biggest stars in the music world, did nothing for them, nothing for her. She lost, even with all those celebrities. It does nothing for you. You don't need it. Be above it, Trump, because you're going to embarrass yourself. If you're going to try and throw a party, it's going to be third-rate celebrities, and it's going to look stupid. Now you got Bill Clinton running his mouth, blaming the FBI director for his wife's loss. I mean, Hillary lost because she is a bad person in the American eyes. She's a bad person. She's a liar. She's a cheater. She's above the law. She makes her own rules. She doesn't care about the consequences. She'll just lie to your That's why she lost. Yeah, the emails came out and they got hacked and we got to find out the true thing about her. We got to find out who she really was. 
We all knew this already. Quit whining. Wouldn't it, I mean, wouldn't it be in sport? What would you say if you were a, a, a coach on a sports team? And after the game, Carolina loses, and Cam Newton goes into the postgame conference and says, we lost because my wide receivers are hideous, and our defense wasn't good, and the referee screwed us. I mean, you would say, shut your stupid mouth, dude. Accept responsibility and, and accept the defeat. Well, it's not my fault we lost. I mean, I did everything I could. It's like Westbrook coming out saying, well, my team lost last night to Atlanta, but it's not my fault. I scored 46. My teammates suck. Because the referee screwed me. I would be like, wow, you're a clown. You're a loser. That's what Hillary's doing, running around blaming everybody else but herself. She's the moron who made these decisions. She did not relate to the American people. She talked down to people. She's an elitist. She's a fake. She's a phony. I'm not saying Trump is great. Trust me, he's not. He's got his own issues. But he's never been in political office. All of his mistakes were made in the private sector. Now we'll see how he does in the political realm. Maybe Trump will be just as bad. Who knows? And if he is, I'll rip him too. But you can't get worse than Hillary Clinton. You can't trust a word that comes out of her mouth. And if she got that power, whoa, watch out. Thank God. I got a lot of emails on that. We as a country just look very hideous. You know, and then, you know, Bill Clinton's going to come out and say white men vote for Trump and Everybody's talking about race. The Democrats talk a lot about race. It amazes me. That every time someone says something about Trump, he's got to tweet about it. He's got to come back and fight with the tweet. He, he just takes everything personal. He's got to get over that. But, man, these Democrats are embarrassing themselves. Pelosi, Reed, even the worst human being on the planet. I can't stand that that Republican guy, too. Uh, uh, His name slips me. The guy in charge of the number one Republican guy. He he looks like a major nerd. I don't care about him, either. He's so insignificant. Ryan, is that his name? I barely remember who that guy is, but he's a joke. He's a clown. Comes out and rips Trump. Now he's his best friend. Just a clown. I like when Trump introduced him and everybody booed him. He's a clown. He's a politician. He'll rip Trump because he thought Trump was going to lose. Then Trump wins, and he's all about him. Typical politician, right? Everybody hates Donald. Then Donald wins. Everybody loves him. That's what you are as a politician. You have to be very fluid. I mean, I go to other countries. I know what other countries think of us. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Hopefully Trump follows through. That's all I care about. Build the wall. Do the things you said you were going to do, and then whatever happens, happens. Just don't be like a politician and make a bunch of promises and then back down. The wall's got to go up. you got to be strong against uh, ISIS. you got to be – got to fix the, the economy. Do those things, and everybody's going to look at you and say, wow, great job. And, and improve the inner cities. Improve – American communities, please, please, fix Chicago. Then everybody's going to shut their stupid mouth. All right, that's all I got. I'll probably talk to you on Friday. If it's a hideous sports day, I might not, but I'll probably talk it because I just want to preview the football stuff. Might be only half an hour.
Follow me on Twitter at Coach Dave Taylor. Keep the emails coming, Coach Dave Taylor at yahoo.com. Subscribe to the podcast in iTunes if you like. Get real with Coach Dave Taylor in iTunes. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. Stay warm. It's a beautiful time of year, to be honest with you. Beautifully, beautiful sunny day here in Connecticut. A little brisk, but still beautiful. Enjoy your Christmas break. Enjoy the holidays. Be smart. Merry Christmas, everybody. No, that's politically incorrect. But at this time of year, people go home. So I'm going to leave you with a song by Dolly Parton. Better move it on home by good old Dolly Parton. Still looking good after all these years. Have a great week, everybody. Make a difference in someone's life. Be smart. Nothing good happens after midnight, so just go home. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Here looking at the clock, Big Daddy, already you're a half hour late. I've been a pulling back the curtains, creeping out the window, wish you wouldn't make me wait. You better move it on home, boy. You better move it on home. Been a sitting here listening to the jukebox playing and forgetting where I ought to be. Sipping on a cool one, having me some good fun. Time got away from me. I better move it on home. Better move it on home. Better spin them wheels and make it on back where heaven on earth and love is at like a rolling stone. Better move it on home. Yeah. I've been here cooking you a nice hot supper and you can't even eat it on time. Heating up the meatloaf and stirring up the gravy is kind of Messing up my mind, you better move it on home, boy. Better move it on home, yeah. I've been a speeding through the traffic, a passing every one. I remember what I forgot. Stepping on the gas and a driving kind of fast. I'm hoping I won't get stopped. Better move it on home. Better move it on home. Better spin them wheels and make it on back for heaven on earth. And love is at like a rolling stone.